everyone, and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today, we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 2. Sorry, I'm, I, my notes are wrong. Today, we will be talking about the second episode of Riverdale Season 2, Nighthawks. I'm Mary Kukowski, and I'm joined, as always, by the spectacular Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, for those listening, I used the same adjective for Season 2, Episode 1. However, for us, it has been about two-thirds of a year since we recorded that episode, so... Yeah, I don't remember you ever calling me spectacular, and I also just don't understand why you couldn't have just been like, yeah, we're talking Riverdale season two, episode two, Nighthawk. You had to be like, whoa, my script is wrong. The world is crazy. Well, I'm obviously going to cut that part out. I know, but why couldn't you just say it? It's so funny. I don't know. I just messed up, okay? Let me have my mistakes. why is that a mess up? Why does it always have to be the same? Because it adds consistency to our lives that are always changing. When there is so much uncertainty in the world, you can count on me to say the same (laughs) sentence at the beginning of every podcast. Anyway, uh, someone else who's a nice- Rob listened to. You know what? We don't need to talk about that. That's true. So, yes, to add some more consistency in my life, we have Hannah Elam here as well to talk about the episode. Hannah, how have you been handling life? It's been going all right, trying to stay inside where I can. And that may give you some hints if you're listening to this, you know, two thirds of a year later as to what time of year this is. (laughs) Yeah, we are recording this in the time of social distancing. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm assuming that this podcast will come out, you know, January of 2020. After COVID-19 is a problem, so either everything is great or everything is bad in different ways, and I I wonder what kind of world this podcast will be released into. (laughs) I don't don't know how to feel about the snark happening on my podcast. I'm pretty sure that in our episode one of season two, we like made jokes the fact that we would like reference the time of year, and then we'd just be like, oh, you know, happy... Valentine's Day, and it was way before Valentine's Day, and now it's going to come up way after Valentine's Day. (laughs) Yeah, so happy Independence Day 2021, everybody. (laughs) No, and what's crazy, so we started recording season one either like right around New Year's of of 2019. Yeah, so it's been a year and three months, almost four, yeah. Well, now we have nothing but time, so hopefully we can record everything and leave Mary with a massive backlog of editing, and they can come out on a weekly basis. Anyways, so... That's the goal. Here's the thing. We always talk about how, oh, season one and two, that's when things were normal. And now I've come to the conclusion that it was never normal, and we've just been desensitized to crazy. And so they just have to continue getting crazier and crazier to give us that same hit of crazy. I actually liked this episode, but I think it's because I went into this episode thinking it was going to be what happens, I think, in episode three. So I was not expecting this. I was expecting something else. And then I was like, oh, this is the Save Pops episode. That's more fun. So I thought it was okay. I mean, I liked the episode, but it's crazy. Right. Well, I did. Yes, I did notice a lot of things, though, in this episode that we'll talk about when we get to the spoiler section at the end of the podcast that are different from how they do it now, like in season three and four. I think just a lot of the way they shot this, a lot of the like the lighting just seemed different. There was just a lot of stuff that I think the first two seasons feel a little bit more authentic and a little bit more like they're filming in a real lo- 
location and less like they're filming on a set. That's just sort of the vibe that I get from a couple of these. We'll talk about it more in the episode, but there was there was some stuff I liked for sure. Yeah, before watching this episode, I'd listened to your episode with Josh. I think it's season two, episode four or five. Five, yeah. Yeah, it got me back into the mindset of what was going on in season two and kind of dipping my toes back into it. And I th- I still think it is more tame, but there there are still some outrageous things that happen. But overall, like what we're seeing now, I feel like it's pretty tame. Yeah, by comparison. And that's another good thing to say. Like if you are, for whatever reason, coming into Riverdale for the first time and you haven't made it past season two, do not listen to that Josh Wiggler episode until you've gone all the way through season four because uh, there's a lot of spoilers. It's just rampant spoilers the whole time. But it's a fun time. So definitely come back back to it on that one. Anyway. Yes, definitely. So this episode, Nighthawks, starts off with a little, little teeny tiny, little tiny, tiny little Jughead voiceover, which is great because by season three and four, the Jughead voiceovers are like two paragraphs and I'm not reading that much anymore. But I like this nice little sentence, which we've got, behold Pop's chocolate shop for decades, the heart of Riverdale. Now the latest casualty in the town's growing battle against darkness. We're getting this turn from Ooh, it's Riverdale. It's a nice quaint town with one crazy murder mystery to, ooh, Riverdale is getting bad up in here. We're starting to see a little more crime action going on, some drug usage, which I think... Is this the first episode we have Jingle Jangle? I think this is the first episode where there's like rampant usage that we're seeing. Like I know we've heard of Jingle Jangle before. Have we? But I'm pretty sure we've heard of it. But I think this is the first we see it. So we do know a little bit about the south side of town though. And and it seems like it's unfair to say like, oh, now Riverdale is becoming a town of crime when everything that we've heard about the south side is always that those are thugs and have crime there. So I think they're really just talking about the north side. Yeah, well so I think there's a little bit of continuity question here on like where is Pops? Because I thought Pops was supposed to be like right in between the south side and the north side. Like right by the train yeah, tracks. Yeah, I agree. And and I think when they say south side and north side it's the south side of the train tracks and the north side of the train tracks I'm pretty sure. And I think Pops is technically in the south side based on I things that so happen later. I thought too. Right. I'm pretty sure that at least at some point, Pops is considered to be in the South Side. But like a lot of times in season two and probably even season one, they talk about it as the heart of the North Side or the heart of Riverdale. Well, it could be the heart of Riverdale if you're considering Riverdale as both the North and the South Side. Like that would make sense. Well, I thought they meant like the heart of Riverdale as in like the heart of the town, not like the center of the town, but like the... Mm. Oh, where like everyone joins. Well, because Betty references here even like all the memories that she's had at Pop. So that sort of thing. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is if it is this quaint, oh, it's the spiritual heart of Riverdale, then you would think if it was on the South Side, then the South Side can't be all bad because it contains the spiritual heart right. of Riverdale. So see, I thought that it was just in the north of the town. I mean, we can look it up. The other thing that is to be considered in all of this is that we have no true knowledge of, you know, Riverdale or anything at all. 
And I have some I have some geographical insight for the spoiler section later. Oh. Okay, cool. Intrigued. I'm clicking on a Reddit post that says map of the south side of Riverdale. So I'm I, I don't know yeah, how long it's going to how do we know load. that we can trust this map? I'm hoping that they came up with it based on context clues of the show. We don't know. But the show doesn't even know. So how are, how are they yeah, supposed the to know? Yeah, the show doesn't give oh. us... What context are we supposed to get from this show? That's I what got, I like I received a 504 gateway timeout. So never mind. <laughs> JK on that. Anyway, so... So Jughead's talking about Pops and the reason that it is now dark is because somebody has spray painted Death Diner on it uh, and Pop is like, oh no, did you see what they did to my diner? I don't know how long I'm going to be able to keep it open because nobody's coming here anymore. And it's sad, I guess. I wish that I could go to the Death Diner. It sounds way better. What is so funny, Hannah? It's worth your we're impressions. not commenting on your Pops impression. We're just not dignifying it in this way. It's not an impression. It's just like a like a get you in the mindset of pops. What? No, what? I don't. What does that mean? <laughs> like, it's like there's a difference between being like an imp- like when you do like an old man voice, but like it doesn't actually sound like any old man you actually know. It's just like it's like when guys are like, oh, I'm a girl. It's like girls don't sound like that, but like that's it's exactly the what I sound like. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, you're like, that's exactly what I sound like. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's just your Betty impression, and you just did that to be hurtful. Anyways, also, you didn't say a no. That is not, my Betty impression would be, guys, Archie, that's exactly what I sound like. Betty is not from the South. Okay. You just did the same impression twice, but said different words and was like, yeah, this one's Betty and this one's you. And I've got news for you, Mary. It's rude. Okay. And I don't have time for fights during this quarantine, but the minute I can see you in person, I will squish you like a bug. Oh, well, it's too bad that all of our chances to see each other in person got canceled. Oh, I got on Monday. No, on Tuesday, my Instagram popped up being like, your countdown ends in one week. And I was like, yeah, nice try. Like those countdowns are real cool until something gets canceled and it just shoots you in the face with sadness anyways um shoots you in the face with sadness i don't see a problem we talk a little bit about pops but then we're gonna jump right into our veronica plot line which is about her trying to avoid being around her parents yeah veronica so if anyone doesn't remember and i'm saying this because i didn't remember because it's been like a billion months it's been like eight months since i last watched season two veronica is trying to come to terms with with her father, who she says people call him the devil incarnate, which like, I mean, he was like a white collar criminal. Is that really the same thing? He didn't like hurt anyone, I guess. So here's the thing. You can find all kinds of justifications for calling someone the devil, and that's fine. Hiram can be the devil. He also, in this episode, looks very handsome, and I think that needs to be said. Yeah, he he looks pretty good. So Hiram has come back to town, and Smithers, who we know is on Veronica's side always, is like, oh, Miss Veronica, you should probably use the other door. And then Hiram's like, why? To keep her from seeing her father. And then she's like, daddy. And I don't know. Anyway, and he's like, I want to have a family meal together. And she's like, how about never? Is never good for you? And it's like really cringy. Yeah. And I like that too, because she's like, it's just like that New Yorker cartoon, daddy. How about never? Is never good for you? It would have been better if she had just said it. I know. So then I like looked up the New Yorker cartoon and it's just like a guy on the phone and he's just like, no, 
Thursdays out. How about never? It's never good for you. And I was like, Veronica didn't do this, right? No, that's not the same inflection. Anyway, and so there's just like, Veronica's sort of plotline is kind of interwoven in everyone else's. I think that reference was so that we remembered that Veronica used to live in New York because I don't think it's brought up enough. Yeah, sure. So (laughs) Hiram comes to school and he brings her flowers. I just love the Lodge family plotline of like, in order to make up with people, they just buy stuff for them and bring it to school. I mean, that works for me. If someone wants to buy me stuff, that'd be great. Yeah. And like, I forgot this is the first episode where everybody's meeting Hiram because we met Hiram for the first time. Was it the end of the first episode of season two or the end of the last episode of season one? One of the two. But no one else has met him yet. And also, I gotta say, there's a lot of this episode, just like little scenes that I did not remember at all. So like there's a part where Veronica goes to see Archie and she's like, hey, Betty's been spying on you and knows that you haven't been sleeping. You should probably go see a counselor. And I did not remember that scene at all. I loved when Veronica's like, I actually saw a therapist in New York and maybe you should talk to someone. And then it's like in that full thing of people being like, therapy, like, oh no. Guys, everyone should go to therapy. We all need therapy. Yeah, and I think she said I went to therapy because of like Park Avenue drama. Yeah, it was like she was going to therapy because of her like, I don't know, whatever nonsense is going on. And it's like, I feel like Veronica probably needs therapy more now. Probably. But apparently is not getting the help that she needs. And this is a true crisis. Yeah. So Hiram is like, oh, I just want to be friends with you, but you got to meet me halfway. And she's like, I don't know if I can, daddy. The blindfold has been taken off and it's hard to just snap back. And then he's like, what if I help you save pops? And she's like, maybe I'll let you know. And then Veronica storms into the room later and she's like, I heard someone is buying pops. Is that you, daddy? She's like, someone anonymously is buying pops. Right. Because we all know that Hiram anonymously bought the drive-in land last season, which by the way, if anyone does forgot, like season one starts in, well, it has some flashbacks to July, but it's mostly starting in like September or end of August for the first day of school. And it pretty much ends around October. And so this is still, this season is just following right after that one. So we're still in the same year. We're still in sophomore year, I believe. Yeah. So anyway, there's like all this stuff because Veronica's starting to be suspicious of Hiram. She's like, well, the reason I am is because you have have this whole, you know, Sodale or South Riverdale project going on that you're building on this drive-in land and you guys tried to buy Fred Andrews out of it and then the next day he was shot in Pops. So I'm a little bit suspicious of you. And he's like, no, none of that was related to me, blah, blah, blah. And then she yells at him and she's like, daddy, I was your fiercest defender until you sent me this threat about hurting mom. And what'd you guys think about the whole like Hermione claiming that she wrote that, that letter? I thought that this hoe is loyal. <laughs> so I kind of find it interesting on a different aspect that everyone in this, well, mainly Veronica and Archie, think that all of the things that are happening have to do with them because they're so self-absorbed that that's the only possible thing, the only possible reasoning of why these things could be happening. So it's just wild. Like, I just, I'm sorry. I don't care about the Lodge family at all. Yeah, I mean, like, this is the first we're getting of Hiram. And, and I think it's interesting, like, at this point, if you're, you know, if if you're watching this for the first time, he's, they want him to be this sort of suspicious, intimidating figure. And I think they're doing an okay job with that because you don't really know what his motivations are. And then of course, like through some of this episode, you think, hey, maybe he's a good guy. Maybe Hermione really did send that letter. And then by the end, when he tells her, thanks for covering it up, you know, your loyalty knows no bounds. And then of course, so the other stuff he did here, Hiram tells Hermione that he actually bought,
bought Pops and that he's the owner of Pops at this point, which he was not the original buyer. He was not the anonymous buyer. That was someone else. But he did then buy it. And he tells Veronica that he just gave a sizable donation. But he actually bought Pops. And then on top of that, he gets rid of Smithers, who we saw in the beginning of the episode was like someone who was pretty loyal to Veronica, more loyal to Veronica than than he was to Hiram. So that's when we get rid of Smithers and we see Andre come in, who is now sort of taking that role. So I, I think you're definitely led to believe like, okay, some of his heart's in the right place. He clearly wants to reconnect with his daughter, but he's definitely not like a purely good guy. Yeah, no, he definitely has very strange motivations that are unclear. Like we don't really know why he has done any of what he's done, except for that he wants to reconnect with his daughter because apparently he has like very strong family values or whatever. And it's just strange as well that he's like, thanks for your loyalty, Hermione. Also, by the way, I just bought a business and didn't tell you about it in advance. So it's like, he's firmly in charge. We don't know why he does anything, but we know that he's like bad and there's some sort of issue with him, but we don't know why. Or at least he has ulterior motives and they're clearly sort of selfish motives and we don't we don't know exactly what the plan is yet. So there's also a funny little clip where Archie asks Veronica if he should introduce himself to her dad and she's like, yeah, not yet. That'll be for a different episode. Because he asked at the Oh, end. God. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no way that Archie meeting Hiram can be, like, a small thing. So the show's like, ah, that later. Later days. Yeah. So that's cute. Anyway, that's most of the Veronica plot. We'll bring up a couple more things later when we go through some of the other plot lines. She's around, but mostly just trying to sort of figure out if her dad's a good guy or not. She does talk with Jughead at one point in the episode. He sort of comes in and offers to talk with Veronica, which I think might be, might be the first scene we have of just Veronica and Jughead together, where they're having sort of their own conversation with no one else around because they even call attention to it. Jughead's like, sorry that I'm not Archie or Betty. Yeah, I thought it was really endearing though that he was willing to help out Veronica and I think that he has some good insight as far as like the relationships that he has with his dad and, and Archie has, you know, the, the type, the giving her some real world perspective which she severely lacks sometimes. Right, when he's like, look, you might have a di- had disagreements with your dad but if there's any chance that he's changed and he's trying to get closer with you and be a better person, it might be worth it to forgive him because I'm dealing with, you know, I've forgiven my dad, but he might be going away to prison. So take advantage of the time you have together. The other thing too is how many times they bring up in this episode, FP's going away for 20 years. Just because it's been so long since we watched season one, I was like, holy crap, 20 years. Yeah, you forgot like that. uh, It's a long time. Yeah. That's as long as they've been (laughs) alive and even a little bit longer. Yes. For Jughead, that would be a long time. I mean, well, well, he's like, okay, so he's a sophomore, which means that he's probably like 15. And so, yeah, until he's uh, 35, that's a pretty big chunk of your life there. Didn't Al? he literally just turn 16? Yeah, I forgot what did his he? birthday number was. Oh, he was. did he on his birthday, birthday episode. Yeah. Right. So he, he is 16 now. Whatever. Okay. So um, let's go ahead and roll into that Jughead plot line. He goes to the sheriff's office, Sheriff Keller, at the beginning of the episode to speak to his dad's attorney. Jughead being in there for this conversation doesn't make any sense. Because I can understand if Jughead was in trouble, why his dad would be there. But why would the son of the person who is being convicted, like, why would they be allowed in this conversation? I feel like it's... Well, I feel like as long as his dad invited him, it would be allowed. Like, I think it would be up to FP. I do think it kind of goes against some of the, what we know of FP of being sort of self-contained. Like, you don't get the feeling that FP asks for Jughead's help a lot. Well, but we needed this scene 
screen for the narrative, so that's why Jughead is there. <laughs> well, right. I mean, for a show where clearly the kids are going to be our heroes and they're going to be the ones who have to solve the mysteries and help everybody, we need him to understand what he's dealing with here. The lawyer says that FP is going to get a deal to serve 20 years in jail, and if he doesn't, the case could go to trial and could be 40 years. Jughead goes and talks to the mayor, and he's like, hey, can you help, you know, vouch for my dad? And she's like, mm. I don't know about that. He made his mistakes. He has to live with it. He's like, oh, this is when you turned your back on both Pop Tate and my father. And I was like, y'all, what does Mayor McCoy care if she turns his back on a, a criminal? Like, it's true that FP did not kill Jason, but he was definitely complicit in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he definitely did a bunch of illegal stuff. So I don't know why the mayor would have to be okay with that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I do like this scene where they go to the, I don't know, town hall or whatever this building is where the mayor is. This is one of the things I noticed was like, this building, I mean, they're on marble, a marble staircase and it looks like a real, like, I think this was on location somewhere. I don't think that they built this marble staircase. I wonder what Vancouver City Hall looks like. I don't know. I mean, the exterior was clearly made for them but the the interior they're just sort of in this marble hallway kind of area which looked kind of cool so i appreciated that it's a no-go with the mayor in this option so he talks with tall boy who as we know is fp's like right hand man and he says what if we just bust my dad out of jail when he's getting moved yeah let's break him out that could have no negative repercussions whatsoever yeah that's a very short-term plan like that's not gonna get you and your dad together it's just gonna keep him out of prison and it's like okay but like where are you gonna put him after you break him out canada they said they were gonna cross the border which should have given some clue as to the fact that they were not in chicago you know if you think i know where chicago is in relation to the canadian border you're on drugs okay because (laughs) i don't know you could have said you're on jingle jangle would have been a little better whatever uh jingle jangle is a drug so still works i don't know why you have to be so rude (laughs) my u.s geography is uh spotty at best i certainly don't know all 50 states maybe i know them but like i don't know i know them but i certainly don't know where they are so upstate new york there's a portion of niagara falls right there's a portion in canada and then there's also a portion in new york i do know that and i know that buffalo is like close to that area yeah so that would be where like being in upstate new york would help them be close to canada instead of being in illinois which is like further south well yeah and west i I think here's the thing i went to niagara falls i went to both the canadian side and the u.s side and i went there when i was like i don't know 17 i wasn't that young i literally thought that we were like not i don't know where i thought we were we didn't fly we just drove there and took like a day but i assumed that we were in the midwest so that's where I thought Niagara Falls was. My my American geography is way worse than Kirsten's probably, and I live here. I feel like that's not possible. It's really bad. Like, I could name all 50 states, but, like, psh, capitals? I don't know. If you told me to put all 50 states on a map, I don't think I could do it. I don't even think I could do it to the ones that are touching my state. I would really, there. can we take a break so you can do a sparkle quiz and we could see how you do? Yeah, I've done like try and name all 50 states in like five minutes or something. And I think I got 35. All right, here's the deal. We're gonna, I'm gonna send this to all three of us. We're all gonna do it and see who does better. I'm not from there. I'm definitely gonna do the worst. All right, ready, set, go. Oh my God, we're starting off with a hard uh, one. It's okay. It's on, it's on a time. I'm gonna skip that one and come back to it. Oh my God, I. 
I literally the first two I don't know where they are. I've been uh, to I don't two know. states off. I don't know. I'm coming back to that one too. I have been one state off for three out of four, just for the record. I just would like everybody. Wow, to I was know. so off. Oh my gosh, I'm ah, so bad yes. at this. Fuck I'm yes. so bad at this. Okay, Virginia, I know where that one is. Guys, I'm really bad at this. Oh man. Okay. I thought Colorado was on the west coast. I mean, guys. That's where Idaho is? See, yeah, nobody that's knows. what I'm saying. What? <laughs> where is Alabama? I don't know. Oh, I just got that one right. I got 60% correct. I got 30 out of 50. However, I was only one state off at least five or six times, and I think I should get credit for that. Guys, I am way worse at this than I thought I was, and I thought I was going to be bad, and I'm way worse. And I've been to most of these. That's the other thing. I've been to a lot of them. I don't know how to help you. Okay, I got 33 out of 50. So just so we're clear, you're not that much worse than me and I live here and I've been to most of these states. I've probably been to 45 out of 50 states. Wow. All right, 84%. Nice. Damn, girl. All right, back to this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. That was kind of fun. Okay. Do yeah. we have to? I like Sporkle better. <laughs> nope, we're back uh. at it. So anyway, so Jughead's whole thing is trying to get his dad a better deal here. So once he decides that busting FP out of jail is not going to be a good idea, Tallboy says, hey, you need to go see a snake handler. And Jughead, we don't get an explanation of what a snake handler is until he goes into the back of a tattoo parlor and finds Penny Peabody. Because apparently the serpents put her through college and law school. She's also a serpent. And so like, because they have dealings on the other side of the law, it's good to have someone on their side is the theory. I think this is a fine theory overall. Makes sense. Did you research and was she an Archie character before? She is, despite having a pretty great alliterative name, Penny Peabody is essentially just a footnote in the comics only appears as a love interest in Little Archie series, Penny is primarily connected to Fangs Fogarty, a bully who primarily appears in Little Archie series. Interesting. So that's fun. And Fangs Fogarty is a character we have not met yet, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get there. Penny tells Jughead that he should try to get Jason's family to publicly forgive FP at the trial, and that might help him just get time served as opposed to having to go to jail. Which makes sense. I mean, because it's it's showing that if the family can forgive him, then the court should be able to as well. I'm just kind of surprised that they didn't think of this sort of on their own. Like, why did yeah. they need Penny? That's right. It does seem like a pretty simple solution. Yeah, she didn't actually do anything. She just gave them some advice. Yeah, but guess what? Legal advice costs money. That's a billable hour, honey. Right. But Jughead does not pay her. She's just like, oh, we're friends. I did you a favor and then someday maybe you can do me a favor. He's like, all right, cool. The fact of the matter that Jughead is like oh cool whatever when literally she's like I've got a serpent tattoo I've like clearly she's affiliated with a gang you would think that Jughead would understand like oh maybe a favor doesn't mean like a favor as it would for normal people you would think that there would be some level of suspicion with that even though Jughead's dad is the leader of, of this gang it doesn't really seem like he has much insight to it or understands the repercussions of being in a gang yet like it seems like he's still very new to the idea of a gang yeah well i think <laughs> why is that... we're all very new to the idea of a gang <laughs> 
but in the context of the show, I think we get the feeling that, like, in season one, Jughead was clearly trying to distance himself from his dad and the gang situation. And until they gave him that jacket at the, in the last episode, he really had been sort of avoiding that whole lifestyle, which which makes sense for, for Jughead's personality. I think that he doesn't know because he also, she shows him that she has a serpent tattoo and then she says she knows his dad. And he's like, you know my dad? I'm like, your dad is the leader of this gang that exists in this small town. Yeah, he probably knows the serpents and they probably know him. It's just like how in season one when they're like, who are these thugs at the drive-in theater? Yeah. Riverdale is a small town. Everybody theoretically should know every everybody. Like, it's just weird. I guess it would they only should, make sense. For Was sure. that Veronica asking that though? Because that would make sense. Well, yeah, but like Veronica asked and then nobody had an answer. Oh, uh, okay. They're just like, oh, those are the thugs. <laughs> oh yeah, those are just our, uh, our neighborhood thugs. <laughs> Yeah. Betty and Jughead then go to Thistle House, which is where Cheryl and Penelope are now living since they burned down, or Cheryl burned down um, Thorn Thorn Hill. Hill. So, yeah, they they live here. And this is where Cheryl greets them with Hobo, Bride of Hobo, which is so weird because she then welcomes them inside and is like, come on in. She she walks this fine line of being rude, but also polite at the same time, kind of. I love that. Rude, but also polite. Well, she's rude, but she's like very formal. Like, she's a good hostess, but she's going to, like, say mean things to you while handing you a glass and welcoming you in the door. I feel like that's a very, like, high society type thing, right? right? Where it's like, oh, you're wearing that. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like that. So she comes in and they talk with Penelope and Cheryl in the conservatory. And Cheryl is like, oh, we're family, which is this weird thing. Because, like, her and Betty, yeah, they're family. We found that out last time that, I guess, Hal's father or maybe grandfather and Cheryl's, I don't know, Betty's Betty's great-grandfather and Cheryl's great-grandfather were brothers, I guess. And then one killed the other. I don't know. And so Jughead asks if they will show mercy to FP and they're like, no, we want to see him burn in hell. Bye. Yeah. She's like, I don't want any reminder of like this time in my life. I don't want that walking around. Yeah. And I feel like there's this really easy thing. Like we know that, that Clifford blackmailed FP and said that he would hurt Jughead if he didn't do this. And so I I feel like that doesn't get brought up enough. Like when Cheryl says no, I feel like Betty and Jughead should have brought that fact up, but they just don't. So then Jughead says if they weren't literally an orphan or a widow, he would blackmail them to get them to do it? I'm sorry, is that the definition of an orphan? I always thought an orphan meant you have neither parent. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can't. I don't think you're an orphan if you lose one parent. Like, I'm not an orphan. Yeah, that was just a weird line there. Yeah, it's very bizarre. I didn't pick up on it at the time, but now that you pointed out, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's not right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a child whose parents are dead. So, yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Parents, plural. Interesting. So then Betty later on talks with Cheryl because she's like, well, I'm not above blackmailing. So she talks to Cheryl in the locker room when Cheryl is wearing some very nice matching bra and underwear that I don't think any high school student would be wearing, but it's cute. I mean, I all the clothes is cute. I also noticed Cheryl looks like way younger. A lot of them do. Archie looks way younger in this season as well. I'm just not like, used to it. It's like they were actually trying to make them look like teens 
teenagers. And that, yeah. spoiler alert, at some point that stops and they just look like adults. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And so Betty's like, hey, Cheryl, uh, I'm going to release the video of your dad killing Jason on the web if you don't help FP. And also the vixens need help pop. And I don't know why she like needs to say, I saved a copy on Jughead's laptop. Like just, just say you saved a copy. Don't give her the ammo to be able to like steal it from you if that's the case. I guess they're in high school and they don't think that that would happen, but. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre in that way. And then also what's really creepy about this scene is Cheryl's like, are you threatening me? And then he's like, oh, a threat? Ha ha ha, Cheryl takes like three steps towards her and is like, this is just fun girl talk. That's not a threat. Oh, Cheryl. And it's like traumatizing. Yeah, it's, I kind of like how Cheryl seems to sort of appreciate the fact that, that it is a threat. Like she's, I don't know, she's kind of like, oh, Betty, you're a raging bitch, but also I'm proud of you for stooping to my level. She would have even liked it more if she like acknowledged the fact that she was threatening her. Right, right. Oh, I feel like Cheryl would be into that. She'd be like, ooh, Betty, I never knew you had this in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then FP's trial happens and Cheryl says, hey, FP's guilt has been blown out of proportion to satisfy what my dad's suicide denied them and the town. Someone to blame and closure. She begs the court leniency and the judge is like, uh, sure. Well, but first the judge is like, well, we would need like blah, 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 blah in order for that to matter, which I feel like is not what the judge should have said in front of everyone while Cheryl is still on the stand. And then Cheryl's like, well, how about this? Is that enough? And apparently it is enough to say that she like saw her dad threaten FP or something. Right. So she does lie here. I mean, it did happen. Clifford does threaten FP, but she claims that she overheard it in her dad's study, which is not what happened. It's just also, wouldn't that be causing a lot of questions about how Cheryl had heard that and then didn't like ever say anything before this moment of like, she knew that her dad and FP were involved and never said, like you think it would raise questions. I guess the only thing that it could, that you could say is that she just heard him threatening FP, but didn't hear about what, like it could have just been a general threat instead of a, uh, a threat about the death. But then like, as soon as FP is arrested for the murder, you you would think, yeah, but it's a lie anyway, so I don't know why I'm trying to read into it more than yeah, that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just a weird thing where you, more questions would come up. Right, like, it would yeah. seem like it would be accusatory for her, but I don't know if that's the case. Like, I don't, I don't know exactly. We're not lawyers, so it's like, I don't know if her saying stuff like that could incriminate her in that case. Well, I, I don't know that it would be incriminating because there's, like, a pretty easy defense of, like, she knew her dad had killed her brother and was afraid that she would be killed next if she said it. Yeah, she knew her dad was up to something and was blackmailing FP, but she didn't know exactly what they were doing. Right. You could could say that. Yeah, I I feel like there's a few, like, reasonable defenses, but I also feel like it does raise questions. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess I'm not sure why. So we saw the audience, but no one else did. We saw a clip at the end of last season, episode 12. We saw that Clifford did come to the jail and threaten FP to not tell the truth, to to say that he did yeah, it he because said he killed Jughead. Right. And so my question is like, this happened in a jail cell. Why was there not security footage of that conversation or something or a record of him coming in and speaking with FP that seems pretty suspicious. So I feel like that should already be information that's out there. Well, but, but anyway. also Clifford Blossom probably has a situation where he has the town under his control and he could say, hey, turn off the cameras when I go in there. You know what I mean? True. That's possible. Yeah, we just don't know enough about Clifford Blossom and, you know, then he uh, killed himself. So aren't going to get that information. So 
then at the end of the episode, of course, Cheryl shows Penelope the video of Clifford and Jason, and she says it might bring her some peace. I thought this was kind of a weird scene, because is she actually doing this to be nice and to give her mom some peace? Or is she, like, purposely trying to be mean? It's hard to tell with the Blossoms, but it's also, they, as a whole, they are a very strange family because of many reasons. (laughs) Like, (laughs) but I would think that if Penelope really didn't want to see it, then she would have just yelled at Cheryl and walked away but it seems like she is somewhat intrigued and I guess the question would just be like did Clifford actually do this but I I don't know how seeing this video would give her peace I think maybe just to like say hey look my husband did this he killed my son we don't have to hunt down anyone else to try and blame for it I think it's like how like if you have two dogs and you have to put one dog down you're supposed to bring the other dog to watch it happen so that they can like accept it and if they don't see it happen they'll just like miss their friend forever I think it's like that I did not know that was a thing that's kind of sad is it's sad but it's worse if you don't do it because like the dog like won't understand where their like buddy went and will just like pine for them and like could make themselves sad enough I think also to die but I I don't know about that part gotcha like Greyfriars Bobby that's kind of unrelated anyway those who know will know so then at the very end of the episode FP calls Jughead and is super mad that Jughead contacted Penny and says they do not want to be in bed with a snake charmer FP then why didn't you warn Jughead like or fire Penny a long time ago. I think it's one of those things where FP did not anticipate Jughead getting to this level of involvement with the gang at any point so he didn't think that he needed to tell Jughead about this but then the minute he had legal troubles I feel like he should have been like hey Jughead someone might recommend this lawyer lawyer to you do not talk to them. Yeah especially if he's in the room with him during the talks with the lawyers it's like you know. Yeah you should know your son is is trying to help yeah yeah i feel like so many issues in the first season and the second season would be fixed if jughead and fp just had better communication and were sort Ugh. of more on the page same page how many times will poor communication skills cause these laughable mess ups <laughs> a lot probably anyway so on to some more mess ups let's talk about archie and the black hood so archie's been trying to take care of his dad he's staying up all night sitting by the door with a baseball bat he gets a call from the deputy and Archie's been trying to reach the sheriff to ask about his dad's case. I laughed so hard when Archie's phone just said sheriff's office on the color display. Like, I laughed so hard. Like, he has programmed that into his phone. So he, yeah, he goes and talks with Sheriff Keller and he's like, hey, I want to go on a ride along with you if you go patrolling because I want to catch this guy and it'd be great if you could. And the sheriff's like, no, you're a kid. No, Archie. If Archie had been like, hey, I want to go on a ride along because I'm interested in getting into law enforcement in the future. Sure, he could go on a ride along, but I feel like Archie's general demeanor makes it very clear that if he could, he would go on this ride along and then if they like find the black hood, he'd like come out and do some vigilante stuff and it's like, dude. Yeah, Archie would definitely jump out of the car, grab the sheriff's gun and like try to attack someone, anybody who's wearing a black hood. Yeah, like he would fully go to like fight them and and so I, I'm very much on board with Sheriff Keller being like, no. Yeah, I mean, this is a 15 year old kid here. Archie is is worried though rightfully so because this guy uh, has his dad's wallet and so he has their ID and he knows where they live and all of that information. I guess this is the time when I say it's good that I don't update my ID very often and so my ID says I'm pretty sure about three houses ago where I currently live. (laughs) Yeah my ID right now is one house behind. Yeah. So at least I'd be okay on that front. Then the sheriff gets a call to go to Greendale and so 
this is another part of this plot line. We have a new character that we're meeting for the first time, but who is an Archie Comics character, Midge Clump. And in Archie Comics, she's supposed to be sort of this like short little spunky girl with sort of short hair. And her big thing is that she's also dating Moose, who's a character we already know. Isn't this the character that your mom most identified with in the Archie comics? Yes. My mom always most identified with Midge because she also had short hair and she's little and short. And I don't, I think that was her, her thing. But the whole point of the comics is like Moose is supposed to be very overly protective of Midge, but also sort of she's supposed to be very overly protective of him. They both get very jealous when girls or guys talk to one another. But in this version of the show, Midge seeks out Reggie, who apparently is like the drug dealer on campus. And she asks him for something for her and Moose. And he says, oh, I'll hook you guys up with some jingle jangle. So that's where we hear about that. And it's just crazy that Reggie is suddenly a drug dealer. Yes. Yep. Captain of the football team and local drug dealer. Makes sense. Yeah. He truly can do it all. (laughs) This is when Reggie, I think, sort of changes from the first season where Reggie was kind of like sort of very bro-y and kind of like, oh, Archie, yeah, you're scoring the music teacher. Awesome, dude. To like, he's a little bit, he's kind of friends with Archie. Here he's sort of a friend and also a bully at the same time to Archie. Like, he's kind of like, oh, Archie, you're going to go talk to the guidance counselor? And then Archie's like, no, of course not. And the other thing about Reggie is that he's always trying to steal Midge away from Moose in the comics. He gets beat up by Moose a lot. I was so confused when we were introduced to Midge, and it seemed like she was kind of flirting with Reggie. When I was like, wait, hold on, she's supposed to be with Moose. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where she probably would, like, flirt with Reggie when she wants to make Moose jealous, and then Reggie is just kind of like a dumb sap who falls for it every time and then gets beat up. A lot of violence in these Archie comics. (laughs) I didn't get the feeling though from this episode that Reggie was interested in Midge at all. It didn't really, it just seemed like he was just being a drug dealer. Just annoying. Yeah. Because that's wrong. It's just like whenever Jughead's not eating 10 hamburgers. Archie talks with Reggie and he's like, hey, here's my problem. I need something that's going to keep me awake. And so Reggie lists off a lot of stuff and then he also includes Jingle Jangle and he says it will keep Archie up for days in more ways than one. So what is this drug? (laughs) So I'm assuming that it is um, a mixture of cocaine and Viagra. (laughs) I guess. I think we'll need to track, no spoilers yet, but we'll need to track what the heck we think this drug is because I feel like it sort of morphs throughout this season. I don't don't know. I, I mean, I got the feeling that that sort of energy is also why Midge wanted it, but I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, I truly, I don't know. Also, I'd just like to point out for the record that Archie's coping mechanisms are horrible. His first, he's like, I want to protect my dad, so I'm going to start doing drugs. Well, it seemed to me like he was more asking for something that would just sort of keep him alert. Like, he needs caffeine. He doesn't need... Well, no, I think he wants to, like, stay awake and, like, not sleep. I'm surprised that he is not doing meth. Well, and we did see in the first episode, or sorry, in the first scene where he's cooking breakfast, like, he chugs an energy drink. So he is using caffeine, but I think it's to the point where, like, that's not really working for him anymore. He needs more. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, he's not going down a great path here. He goes to class, and then the principal comes in and announces that Miss Grundy was found murdered in her home in Greendale, which is a scene that we saw at the very end of the previous episode, where she was teaching a lesson to a student, and then somebody comes in through her window and strangles her with a cello bow. Of course, Archie takes this very personally, and he assumes that somebody is trying to hunt down people who are close with him, which I kind of get 
but also if they were really trying to hunt down people who were close with you I don't think they would have jumped from your dad to your music teacher I think they would have jumped from like your dad to your best friend or something like that she was the lover so it could if it's someone who knew about that information it would be like that's the next level because I guess you know that could be a best friend or someone he was very close to but also Maybe. it's just going back to the fact that like oh everything's about Archie for him it is yeah which at the end of this episode we realized that it's not just people that Archie knows like they you know because the Black Hood attacks uh, Midge and Moose I mean Archie knows them yeah but it's not as as close of a through line it's like clearly there's some sort of other reason oh yeah no but I feel like Archie could make it about himself if need be like he's right. very good at that <laughs> yeah which is why him and Veronica are such a great pair because they just care about themselves enough and will listen to the other person complain about themselves just long enough <laughs> okay but like are they a good pair no that was that was no. sarcasm <laughs> They should be so with nobody. Goes, they should be social distancing, okay? <laughs> so then Archie goes on like a tour of telling different adults that he thinks that the Black Hood killed Miss Grundy and he thinks these two things are connected. And so he talks to his dad who's like, mm, I think you're just scared. I don't think this is realistic. And then he talks to Alice who responds with the line, my, we've come a long way since dances at the gym and varsity football tryouts. And I would just like to say, Keep that in mind, Alice, because you don't know nothing yet about what's coming in this show. My, we have come a long way since dances in the gym and high school football tryouts. They ask her if she can somehow get an autopsy report and get info on Miss Grundy's death. Uh, that's Betty and Archie, that is. Alice is like, yeah, sure, I got connections with my ghoulish friend in the morgue. So we see her talk with Dr. Curdle. He says that Grundy was killed by a crime of passion. That's when Archie starts thinking that maybe her ex-husband was the one who killed her. So, which I think brings up the question of like, were we even sure she actually did have an abusive ex-husband? I kind of thought that was something that maybe she had made up last season. I'm like pretty sure that was probably a lie because of everything else about her and stealing the identity and whatever. But I do believe that Archie would still believe everything she ever said because uh, he was the target of a predator, which is what she was. Yeah, so then we have Reggie who's delivering the jingle jangle to Archie and he, to be funny as a joke, dresses up like the Black Hood. And I'm like, dude, this guy shot Archie's father. Archie just tackles Reggie, but I'm I'm really surprised that he didn't do more. Like, Reggie was really looking for trouble. Yeah, Reggie, who is, you know, captain of the football team, resident drug dealer, also notorious prankster. He truly can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. he shouldn't. Well, and this is when we get sort of some new information for Archie, which is Reggie saying, dude, you're an idiot. You're bringing a baseball bat to a gunfight. You know the Black Hood has a gun. So that's when we get into Archie's head, this idea that maybe he needs to get a weapon. So he meets up with Dilton Doily on the bridge at the bri- this, I don't know, bridge over Sweetwater River, and Dilton provides him with a gun. So guess he's got a gun now. On the list of coping mechanisms Archie has tried. Drugs and guns. He's a really smart guy. Yeah, a little bit. That's not great. And then like we mentioned before, the last scene in the episode is the Black Hood going to the woods where Moose and Midge are making out in a car doing jingle jingle and he just like shoots a bunch of times into the car. I feel like they had plenty of time when they heard someone coming where they should have just driven away. They shouldn't have waited for him to walk around the side. They did just take the drugs, but the thing could be if they 
drove away, they would be worried about getting caught from the drugs or other True. like paranoia around that. Um, but it's also, yeah, I, I don't know what the right. Well, call I mean, would hopefully you're not I, in an ideal world. You do not have to worry that every single stranger who is walking in the woods is there to shoot you. So well, and especially since the woods there seem to be where people cruise for dates, it would probably be a pretty normal experience to hear someone walking in right. your car. Right. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, so that's that's it with Archie. We definitely do have a turn in Archie from previous season to this one. He's just kind of sad and like worried the whole time. You know, uh, he he goes to Pops and he's having a hard time going there because he just sort of keeps hallucinating the black hood and the blood on the floor and everything. He 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 experienced this really traumatic event, and I I do think that he should talk to a therapist or the counselor or someone. He he no one is really helping him with cope with this. Well, yeah, and it's the thing where you would think that somebody would have tried to actually direct him to some sort of resource other than Veronica like half seriously referring to the school counselor who is always a noted like therapist <laughs> yeah yeah uh, definitely with those Andrews men you would think that Fred would have at least tried something too <laughs> you would think I uh. feel like Fred had other things to be worried about at this time like recovering okay? from being shot he's trying <laughs> to recover okay no, Fred Andrews just walks around his house this episode in a bathrobe the entire time. <laughs> I mean, who among us has not done that recently? That's I what feel I like, like that house know. probably smells so bad. No, I feel like Fred keeps a clean house. You think he's cleaning while he's recovering? No. I think Archie's room smells disgusting, but I think the rest of the house is probably like pretty normal. Well, see, that's the thing. I feel like you get nose blind to that sort of thing, and then you just get used to the smell, and you don't have a female, uh, not intuition. Oh my gosh, what's the word? Female touch or something? Or influence. Female influence. That's what I was looking for. You don't have a female influence to try and like freshen up the place. Yeah. I wish I had a female influence to come freshen up my apartment right now because it's not, it's not good. Yeah, my house is not looking good either. But you know what? It's okay because no one's coming over here. <laughs> it's fine. I'm going to clean this weekend because what else am I going to do? Yeah. Uh, I have not unpacked my stuff into my parents' house yet and I've been here for almost two weeks. So that's relatable. That's like when I was in sequester and I realized literally the last day like oh I could have fully unpacked into the drawers I- I've been here <laughs> I have long put my enough clothes in the drawers but my food is just all in a bag I feel like I need to do something with it I feel like oh, you well. should figure out the food well it's just like pop tarts and chips and stuff it's not going bad oh, I wish I had pop tarts yep I wish I had ice cream so speaking of pop speaking of <laughs> ice creams and milkshakes and pops <laughs> So the other plot line of this episode, which is kind of the main one, but there's just like a lot of stuff going on. It's kind of hard to keep up. So Betty wants to save Pops and she wants to save Pops for a lot of reasons that she lists off about like, oh, it's where I had orange freezes after ballet and chicken noodle soup. And I don't know. Apparently it's the only restaurant in town, but she also (laughs) wants to save it because it's like Jughead's place. He loves it. As we know, Jughead eats a billion burgers. I mean, as we know from the comics, not as the show is telling us but whatever so she wants to save this and Jughead's a little busy so she takes it over so she sort of recruits she recruits Veronica to help and then Veronica doesn't really do much to help at all she's just kind of like we see her drawing a poster at one point that's about it yeah they just had that conversation of her asking Veronica to help so it could be like look an interaction between Betty and Veronica it happened this episode yeah Jughead even says oh they should make a video game about you B and V and I'm like should they (laughs) What have you guys done? You did that cheerleading thing one time. I would truly prefer that they 
did not. They broke into Gurundi's car. Wasn't that them together? I also just don't like how they refer to them as B and V, but it's B-E-E-V-E-E. Like, just use the letters. I don't know what you're talking that's about. That's subtitles. Um, subtitles. Anyways, I think that's just a <laughs> subtitle issue. I assume that when they say B and V, they just mean the letters. I don't And I, I don't think that. that the subtitles are wrong and bad. Sometimes I'll use just the initials when I'm typing out my notes, but then it gets really complicated when you're talking about both Hiram and Hermione because they're both H's or like Alice and Archie because they're both A's. So that can get annoying. We all know that two words that start with the same <laughs> letter are the same word. Anyway, speaking of annoying, um, this is when they go see Mary McCoy. Yeah, Betty asks Mary McCoy if she can like make pops into a landmark so he doesn't have to sell it or like declare a national pops day or something. Yeah, she's like, can you like endorse the diner and it's like this is what this is not a thing what are you talking about and then Mermaquay's like uh no it's a death diner okay but here's the thing it's one of two things right it's either the heart of Riverdale or it's not and if it is the heart of Riverdale then Mermaquay should be like yeah we should try to revamp the image instead Mermaquay's like nah it's it's going to the dumps with all that crime Riverdale had a heart attack okay what's crazy is that it was one shooting in this one building right so it seems like somewhat of an isolated incident like did other bad yes. things happen in pops to make us think that this should be at the heart of a heart of crime or like a place that people should superly avoid which was a robbery pops was a victim right. right it was a shooting and then it was a graffiti right but like <laughs> about, the, the, sh- graffiti, about the shooting right the graffiti was because of the shooting and so right we're not really like because of one shooting okay so this town already has had a murder right and that was in Sweetwater River the body was found in Sweetwater River is everyone gonna stop going to Sweetwater River because a body was found there like it just doesn't really make sense that one event would make everyone avoid pops like the plague what they should start doing is murder tours around Riverdale (laughs) as an additional source of revenue from tourists yeah that'll work yeah sure so Mayor McCoy says no obviously and Betty is like all right fine well I'm gonna host an event at pops that will remind the town of simpler times it's gonna be a throwback night and then she recruits kevin because we need some kevin in this episode he doesn't really do much he's just kind of there classic yeah and so that's when Hiram comes in from earlier then they have cheerleading practice where josie has joined the vixens because she's friends with cheryl i guess it was also really funny when veronica's like oh are you taking the river vixens back from me and cheryl's like were they ever really yours and it's like yeah there was that one weird dance off and then we never saw them again until now well there was like the moment when cheryl tried to kill herself and she like gave the vixens to veronica she was like the vixens are yours now here's my hbic shirt and then she tried to kill herself and then she ends up coming back and so i kind of feel like this was just i'm actually okay it was it was sort of pointless but i'm kind of glad they put this sentence in because it acknowledges for anyone who's been paying attention like that cheryl did give the vixens away at one point and now she's taking them back but it is funny because like it's practice and veronica is showing up kind of late you know with betty yeah. like, girl if they like veronica clearly wasn't thinking that they were hers either. i mean honestly it's a power move to stroll in late okay i guess but i'm sure that veronica didn't call this practice i'm sure cheryl did i don't know anyway and so josie's joined the vixens and she's like yeah i'm a team player as long as i get to be in front and i don't know whatever sure i don't care and then so betty asks if the vixens can help save pops and cheryl's like no and that's yeah, she's it. like absolutely not but she says it with a smile on her face 
Yeah, true. So I think this kind of goes back to the being like a nice hostess or trying to do things like in a dig, but also in a somewhat nice way. What, yeah. Do, do any of us know a rich person? We can ask them if this is how rich people are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I can't say I'll I know I'll text Charles person. later and ask him. Oh, my God. <laughs> so then uh, this is when we find out that Pops has been bought by an anonymous buyer. Alice tells us that. And then they go and talk to Pops. And apparently the company Chugmo, the liquor store chain, is buying Pops. Hannah, you said you have some information on Chugmo. Yes. So I looked up liquor stores and different uh, chains that there could be. And I found Bevmo, which is originated in California but it also has some chains in Arizona. Nice. Okay. I like that. I think Chugmo is hilarious. <laughs> I think that A, there should be a company called Chugmo, and B, Hannah, we have to find you a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't know. Too much, that is too much work for a close but no cigar. It's too much. <laughs> no, I think that that's great. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. And if you're not going to do it, Hannah shouldn't have to do it. So here's the Hannah. thing. I'm tired. I'm tired of getting these wrong and not figuring them out. We've uh, Spoilers for season four. We couldn't figure out what Charles Chickens was. So. Okay. Yeah. So Mary, I felt like such a dumb idiot when we didn't get Charles Chickens. Like literally we talked about it. And then the next day I was like, oh, like we knew that it was referencing an author and we still didn't know what it was. Yeah. Like literally 24 hours after we podcasted, I was like, oh. and it's because oh. here's why it's because sometimes the play on words is just something that rhymes or is like a similar word, but they replaced a letter. And sometimes it's like, instead of being Charles chickens, it would be Charles Turkey. Like it's not our fault. I thought it was really good that you called it out though, because it made that next clip much more enjoyable for me because honestly like I don't know that I would have caught on to it right away either you know what I mean because sometimes it is just so ridiculous yeah yeah anyway I just have never felt more dumb <sighs> so chugmo um. <laughs> so so anyways okay good to know about chugmo right so Betty's like pop don't sign the contract and then she <laughs> runs Kate, away that's the what? Best. what's that that was the best Betty impression of all time from Mary Kwiatkowski. I'm I'm saying it now. That was the same as her pop impression. <laughs> like any, it, it's just like okay, any interaction that involves pop has to have this weird like. It's not it's not meant to be that way. It's just it's just when I'm getting energetic. Anyway, fine. If I want to do it in the actual Betty impression, she was like pop. Do not sign that contract. And then she like runs away. Anyway. That was your Veronica impression. Have you ever watched Riverdale? Some days days I'll get it better than others. That was not good. Whatever. So (laughs) Betty goes away and that's when she talks with Cheryl in the locker room and she's like, blah, blah, blah. You need the Vixens and Kevin to repaint the diner. I don't know why Kevin is here. And so they repaint the diner and then we have Pops Retro Night. So I don't know where they got all these vintage Pops uniforms and roller skates, but they're hella cute. So bring them back. Yeah, they are very cute. Now, the most traumatizing thing that I've ever seen in my life is this cover of Milkshake. Now, I had completely forgotten that this had happened, probably because I was blocking the trauma from my life. What was the scene of them singing Milkshake on the Roof? Oh, that? Hold on. I thought you were talking about the other part with the milkshakes, which bothered me more because I just couldn't figure out why it needed to be in the episode. When Veronica hands out milkshakes and she like deliberately hands them out and is like, here's your strawberry 
here's your vanilla, here's your chocolate. And then we just have a scene, it's like two seconds of the kids swapping milkshakes like she handed them out wrong. I'm like, what was the point of that? <laughs> um, It's because it shows you that Veronica has never had to work a day in her life. And as a result, she's not good at But stuff. I don't think that's such, I think the scene was probably a couple seconds longer and it was actually like a girl and a guy like letting each other try each other's. Like, I think that's what it was. But the, just like no, the way they edited it, it's wrong. really weird. But they're not like, they're not like, oh, she messed up. They're just like smiling and all. I don't know. It's yeah, because they're like, oh, Veronica messed up again. She probably messed up all their burgers already. So it was like the second time she made a mistake. What a sticky maple. Oh, no. Anyway, so then Josie and Melody come in because Val is just written out of the show at this point, I guess. Apparently she has norovirus. So Val's got the virus. Oh, no. Which like, it's not like a norovirus lasts like. Apparently it lasts spoilers the rest of the show because I don't think we ever see Val again. No, I think we see Val again. Mm, I don't think so, but we'll see. I'm pretty sure that we do. We'll see. But anyways... I don't want to talk about viruses anymore. So Cheryl's like, if you can be a river vixen, I can be a pussycat. When I'm like, Veronica's already sang with them before. So why, why wouldn't Veronica just join them? She's busy being a waitress. She can't just abandon Betty like that. We need to show that all of the teenage girls in the show can sing. What could possibly be more Veronica than ditching her responsibilities as a waitress to sing with the pussycat doll? She's pussycat dolls. Josie and the Pussycats, why do I do this every time? (laughs) I didn't even catch it. She's trying to be a good girl, Veronica. Okay, anyway, so this milkshake cover, as I said previously, it's one of the most traumatizing things I've ever seen in my life. And I my fully... My brings all the boys to the yard. They're like, it's better than yours. Damn right, it's be-. They just keep getting higher and higher and higher. It's, yeah, at one point, it's like so high up that I think only dogs can hear it and me and... <laughs> Are you calling yourself a dog? I mean, we all have been new that I am a bitch. Um, (laughs) And then, like, Archie coming up and just, like, his, like, flashbacks interspersed with the song being sang in not the spirit it was intended. I, this was one of those moments when I was like, why do I podcast about this? It was weird. I don't know. It, it, like, it was fine. I mean, I guess if you're going to sing a song, I, I guess, I don't know. But yeah, but like, why did they have to sing it like that? Well, how did they Who get on wrote the roof? this arrangement? Yeah, how did they get on the roof? Is that safe? Also, why have they never used the roof again? I feel like that was a really cool performance. I liked I liked the look of it. I didn't like the song. I was going to say, Hannah, like, we're about to have a fight. I just, what I, here's the thing. They're like, as long as we sing a cover, Cheryl will know the words. But how did she know that arrangement? Because that's not what that song sounds like. You, you, you sing quietly in the background and pick it up as you go along. I don't know. Whatever. It was bad. And whoever arranged that shouldn't work in music anymore. <laughs> so Hiram and Hermione show up and buy pops, but don't tell anyone. And then some serpents come in. And meanwhile, Alice is there just like taking notes because she's going to write an article about the last well, day yeah. of pops because she's a horrible person. <laughs> she's a nosy neighbor and she wants to get her time in the sun about that. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff she sees. Like she clocks Dilton Doyle acting sketchy and she like sees Reggie give something to Midge and Moose but like from her vantage point she would not be able to 
couldn't tell that that was a drug trade. From their demeanor, though, what else could it be? Two high school friends giving back the money that someone owed them. I mean, I, unless unless it's common knowledge that Reggie is the town drug dealer, why would she instantly suspect that? It's like she's trying to look for bad stuff, and it just so happens there was some bad stuff there. I mean, she's right, but still. Listen, Mary, it's about the kids. But, like, if she sees them do it, instead of telling Betty, like, oh, there were multiple drug deals that went down here, why don't you say, like, hey, your pal Reggie was dealing drugs. Like, why not rat hey, out the person? Because she's no narc. <laughs> I think she is a narc. I think she, like, literally is a narc. She's like, why? I don't recognize that kid. Is he north side, south side? I don't know. He's probably wearing a varsity jacket. <laughs> that, that is fair. That's that's in bad taste. <laughs> Reggie, don't wear your varsity jacket when you're dealing drugs. No, yeah, that's not in the spirit of a varsity <laughs> athlete to be a drug dealer. Yeah. Maybe that's his cover, though. It's like, yeah, that's I can't the thing. Be... Like, who's going to search yeah. a guy in a varsity jacket? Yeah. But here's my annoyance with this scene is that she takes pictures out of the window. But if you look, the blinds are like open and she doesn't even get it close enough. So there's no way that like the picture she's taking is going to be useful for anything. Because just like you said, it's like, how do you know that's what's happening? Right? I, I guess it's know. it could look incriminating. No, I think she has a spy lens and it's like a <laughs> magic camera. <laughs> Accurate. That's accurate. She saw the drugs, okay? She knows. <laughs> it's the mom's intuition. Camera. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so um, Jughead and Betty care- share a cute kiss. What? I don't know. I think it's cute. <laughs> I thought you were mixing up Betty and Cheryl, though. <laughs> I almost did. That's I almost just, did. That's such a weird plot point to be like, okay, we have to mention the cute kiss. <laughs> well, here's why. Here's why I'm going to mention it. It's for the spoiler section because Cheryl comes in and says she says like she calls them like monkeys in a zoo or something i don't know she says something like that she's like oh you guys are chimps in captivity and we'll talk about that more in the spoiler section so okay we'll get to it it's important i'm waiting with bated breath yeah and so pops is like thanks betty and thanks lodge family for saving my place we're gonna be here forever and everyone's like yay but then alice is like drug deals went down at pops tonight and i can tell you that hiram does not have good intentions about helping out you have just made this place the crime center of riverdale and then she leaves and that's it i don't know alice like she just has nothing good to do ever hannah keeps freezing i know i didn't hear what you said what did you say you said it's like jughead what yeah, you said it's just weird, and I said it's like Jughead. Oh, yes, Jughead is just weird. He's weird. I'm just weird. I'm a weirdo. I saw that clip come up on Twitter the other day, and I was like, ooh, this show I is saw weird. on Instagram Explore page that someone had, like, posted um, the screen grab with the subtitles about, the, in the first episode, Veronica talking about her friend Katie, and um, they were like, oh, I wonder if this is Katie Keen, and I was like, you're not the first person to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to our podcast. We brought it up months ago. <laughs> yep, fun times. All right, that's the episode. Thank you all for listening. We're going to get into spoiler section here in a moment. So we're first going to go through some things. So what do you guys think was the cringiest part of the episode? I have it down to either the milkshake dance or the part where Veronica tells her dad, how about never is never good for you. <laughs> I think it's the milkshake dance. I had it as um, Betty's fun girl talk with Cheryl, but I can agree to the milkshake dance. Was that cringy, though? I mean, I guess it was. It was was cringy, cringy. and in any other universe, I would be agreeing with Hannah right now, but that milkshake dance rocked me to my 
hardcore. Fair enough. So we have that. And then uh, who is the most normal person in the week? Is it Kevin Keller again? So here's the thing. It's Kevin Keller. <laughs> I thought you were going to come out of left field with like an oddball response because I'm so used to the- Here's the thing. And it's like, I really think yeah. that it was Reggie because he's just the class A he's citizen. He's just selling of- drugs. That's yeah. what kids in high school do. And like, yes, if anybody is caught up on our season four coverage, I have been making the case for some kind of off the wall, most normal people. But I do think it's Kevin. <laughs> I mean, does Kevin do enough in this episode to get it? Like, he's just a good friend there helping out every once in a while. He's in, like, two scenes. He says, like, one line. First of all, he's a young gay teen cruising in the woods, which is definitely normal. That's not even in this episode. Yeah, I know. I accidentally watched the first ten minutes of the next episode <laughs> because Netflix autoplay. Okay, um, so here's the thing, okay? Maybe Kevin didn't do a lot, but every single other person is doing too much. Yeah, Fair. I was like, I put down Jughead, but I really don't think. Oh that wait, he's... actually, I have another idea. Okay, who? is it off the cuff or off? It's the wall? Sheriff Keller. Oh my gosh! No, actually, I can get on board with that because yeah. he's like, no, Archie, I'm not taking you to yeah. hunt crime. I say, is he gonna be a Keller man no matter what? We could give it to both of them. I say, let's give it to Aww. Sheriff Keller just because while they were both in it for approximately the same amount of the episode, Kevin got it last week, so let's give it to Sheriff Keller. Last and then Kevin week. can get it next week. Right. Last last episode, <laughs> Kevin got it. Anyway. So the title of this episode was Nighthawks, which, as far as I can tell, is just a painting from Edward Hopper in 1942. If you look it up, it's a pretty recognizable painting of sort of a city street looking in on a diner or a bar or something. It looks I like it's a diner. Maybe. Yeah, with the, the person's outfit behind the bar. I, I didn't want to call him a bartender because we just literally just said it's not a Yeah, a you're bar. right. It does look like a more like a soda shop kind of place. So yeah. anyway, it's cute. And anyone wants to look that up, you'll probably recognize it. It's not something that I like knew the name of, but I definitely recognize it once I see it. I feel like it's also really nice that they make an allusion to an actual art piece instead of it always just being a book or a movie. So I liked that attribute there as well. Okay, but books and movies are art too. <laughs> no, I'm, I know, but I'm saying like typically, you know you have references from tv shows to other tv shows or other i'm just being media. a brat i'm sorry <laughs> I, I i was just being an asshole for no reason I'm, I'm really sorry hannah interestingly on the page on the wikipedia page for nighthawks there's a section on television where they mention other tv shows talking about it but they do not have riverdale on there that's a travesty you know what once they listen to this episode of kowski cast they'll correct that all right awesome <laughs> In 2023. All right. We have some new reviews, but I'm going to save those to read on our season four coverage. But I just want to shout out that if you left left us a review recently, we will get to it just on the other podcast so that everyone can enjoy it in case you're caught up. I don't know why you're saying this because this is not going to come out before the season four episode comes out. (laughs) And if you (laughs) haven't left us a review yet, what the hell? It's 2021. It's time. Please. Uh, you know what? You guys can talk, but it's only been like nine months. I think Akiva has y'all beat in how long he's been waiting for stuff from me. So I think yeah, well, we're guess what? closing You're it on never two years. Writing. Nobody cares about the fan fiction except for Akiva. He so- messaged me about it the other day and I may have told him that I was working on it. Mary! <laughs> <laughs> 
Stop lying. Okay. Anyway, Mary, I'm I'm messaging Akiva saying stop bothering Mary. She has podcasts to edit. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna give it the old Andrews try. Um. <laughs> all right. Anyway, that should really be on a shirt. Try like an Andrews man. I mean, I'm just waiting for you to make me a shirt with a frocket that says that. I will. I'll do that soon. It's gonna come out along <laughs> with my shirt that says in 2022. It's gonna come out with my shirt that says uh, catch me with that Sunday milk, which I'm also making. Okay, actually, I catch me with that Sunday milk. Would you like one? It's gonna say catch me with that Sunday milk, and on the back, it's gonna say forget the mustard. It's karate time. So if you want, oh my god, yes! I literally, I want that so. All right, we. I will make. I'm literally. I am making those. I was gonna make them for the um, Atlanta know it alls, but then that didn't happen. Anyway, we are now at the portion where no one cares what we're talking about. I I care. I'm so happy. The merch store will be opening soon because it's 2021 when you're listening to this. So just wait another year. It'll be here as soon as you know it. Right. I don't want to wait two years for this. All right, everyone. If you're cutting out now for the spoiler section, thanks for listening. We'll be back sometime with uh, season two, episode three. Until then. See you in 2022. Yeah. Until then, you can follow me online at Frail Mary on every platform. You can follow Kirsten everywhere at Kirsten Said What. We're both on TikTok now, but let's face it, TikTok is probably dead by the time you're hearing this. Hey, or we're already viral TikTok sensation. <laughs> One of the two. You can follow Kirsten on Instagram at hannahv.exe. That's I'm Hannah sorry. with one H. I'm sorry. You, they can, you follow can follow Kirsten, Kirsten on Instagram at Sorry, you can follow you can follow Hannah on Instagram at hannahv.exe. That's Hannah with one H, two N's. And two N's. And two A's. <laughs> And two E's and one X okay. and one V and one dot. Okay, the joke was funny, and then it you took it. Too, you did too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, you can also check out KowskiCast on Twitter and at KowskiCast.com. That's cow with the K. All right, everyone, we're getting into the spoilers section. Insert Hannah going. Get get out. Get get out. This out. Leave. 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 What's our new, oh, should our new season two spoiler song be Milkshakes? Mary singing the milkshakes? Also, you better not cut that out. I'm not going to cut it out, but it's also not going to be the spoiler song. Anyway. All right, everyone. Welcome to the spoiler section. I just have a couple fun things to talk about here. Remember how I was just talking about that Jughead and Betty kiss? It's not the kiss that I thought was cute that was important, although I do think it's a cute kiss, and they like to flash back to it occasionally. I think that it's the fact that Cheryl calls Jughead and Betty chimps in captivity. Just wait till season four, honey, if you think this is bad. They won't be able to stay away from each other for two hours, and they resort to the bang bunker, so nice try. If only they had known about the bang bunker at this time, because they could have broken FP out of jail and had him hide there before they did the same thing with RG. Yeah, but Dilton Doily wasn't dead yet, so he was using the, the bang bunker for actual, like, survival stuff. Right. Yeah, but I feel like it's fine they could have figured it out also Dilton Doily being in this episode he's in the classroom a couple times then he's like around I'm pretty sure that he's like supposed to be way older than them like I feel like at some point they establish that he's a couple years older Dilton Doily being a gun salesperson did he buy it I feel like he just gave it to him so he's just giving away free guns I don't know man no he had to buy that's it that's also speaking of season four did you guys notice this is the episode where Cheryl calls Jughead yes. a hobo yep I was gonna 
point that out. Most of these things are about Cheryl, I've just realized that also, I've written down. Yeah. Another thing that I realized is after leaving Thistle House, Betty refers to Cheryl's response to them asking for mercy as her going full poison ivy. And in season four, the Halloween episode, Cheryl does in fact dress up as poison ivy. Nice. Oh, uh, and she looked so good. She's really she's it was meant a really to be good poison outfit. ivy. It's a really good outfit. I also just watched a video on Madeline's YouTube channel of Madeline and Lily Reinhardt uh making tie-dye sweaters for their dogs. So that's very precious. It's also really funny because Lily says that she doesn't want to drink because she's like, don't we have like young viewers? Isn't that inappropriate? Oh, honey, think of the things y'all have done on Riverdale. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> the the fact of like Cheryl being in a brawl in, in the um in the locker room being taboo is so hilarious because now they're literally wearing bras with like see-through shirts on top of it. And I love the fact that Madeline pointed that out. She's like, are this is actually allowed in high school? Oh my gosh. It's like, yes, vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my high school didn't have a dress code. I And so I just wonder how far it could get pushed. I mean, my dr- mine had a very loose dress code. It was like, you can't literally wear a shirt that says like, buy drugs. And you can't like, <laughs> wear clothes where your butt is completely hanging out. But like, they didn't really enforce a lot of those rules. I, the main rule I remember was like, my senior year of high school was when leggings became a thing. They really weren't a thing before that, that people would just sort of wear with like shirts. But it wasn't yet a thing that you would wear a shirt, like a, a big shirt with leggings. So people were wearing like normal size shirts with leggings and they were like the kind of leggings that you're supposed to wear under things. They were like basically pantyhose. So that started getting cracked down on because you could literally see through them. So Well, and now we're wearing leggings with crop tops. Full circle. Yeah, but they're thicker leggings at least. Yeah, we're not buying $5 leggings that are just like completely see through anymore. Yeah. I also have Betty telling Cheryl exactly where she saved a copy of the video might be the first instance we have of someone revealing way too darn much about like their plans. Is it the first? <sighs> I, uh, it might be. It's the first one I've tracked. But... It's notable for sure. At least Hiram it doesn't do that for Hermione or at least not that we see right because he's buying up Riverdale so that he can build his prison um, but you know obviously that's his plan but he's not just revealing it immediately. <laughs> Remember when the prison was a thing? <laughs> Yeah. So I have a couple things on here uh, about... Also, what did they do with the drive-in lot? Because they end up using the school that he buys to be the prison. Like, that's where he builds the prison. Obviously, the school is right next door. I Because he bought the whole South Side. So I think, like, a majority of the South Side is the prison. And then, like, the prison obviously has, like, a yard and, I don't know, like, a zen garden for Hiram. <laughs> like, they're there. supposed to be building, like, affordable housing. But I don't think they ever do that. Like, we never... Because there's a part where they're like oh, FP, you can move into some of the affordable housing. But then it gets confusing because FP moves into Cooper's old house. And I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, um, I don't know. He's finally made it to Elm Street. In this episode, Jughead is the one to suggest that FP breaks out of jail and goes up to Canada. And so that's what Archie does when he goes up to the hinterlands. So was that Archie's idea? Or was that, again, do we think that's maybe like Jughead's idea? Because that's the only thing you can do after you break out of jail. <laughs> I think it's just uh, another recycled plot line. Just one of those <laughs> uh, candy bars wrapped up in your purse. What? <laughs> 
I know that that's a reference you made, but I can't make the connection now. Oh my god, it's fine. It's better this way. Anyways, moving on. What's next? All right. So I think that it's Jughead's fault that Veronica lets her dad back into her life, which becomes the problem for the next, um, it's still going on. So everything truly is Jughead's fault. Yeah, it really is. People trying to be nice have dire consequences. Yeah, so just don't be nice, guys. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say earlier, I don't know if this is the right time to say it or even the right episode, but I think I love Cheryl so much because she's mean and hot and those are two of my favorite things. She's rude and polite at the same time and hot. What's not to like? I think too here we could see like a a portion of her like, is she bisexual or do we know? I don't know. I think she just likes girls, but we don't really ever get that confirmed. Regardless, like she's in the queer community. Yeah. So I think we could see like a little bit of that. It's the start of her, like we're seeing more of her and Josie and her friendship with Josie for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's so interesting because I totally forgot about the plot line where like she stalks Josie. Yeah, that's coming up. This is me remembering that for the first time. Oh no. I know. Yep. So we'll get to that in about 10 episodes. Josie and the Pussycats, I think it's like the thing about this dance and this song arrangement is you've got to kind of give it some credit of like this is back when that was what we would get we would get three girls dancing on top of pops swaying slightly to this music compared to like the stuff they do now where it's like entire cheer teams doing this big dance and like there's a band playing in the background or whatever like it kind of blows out of proportion it used to be a lot more realistic where they you know Riverdale has this thing where it's like they want to include musical numbers but they want them to fit into the the concept of the show like they don't want it to be like oh it's a musical this doesn't make sense and so having this sort of this like built-in universe in universe band of Josie and the Pussycats makes sense and it's I'm kind of sad that they like get rid of that so soon into this into the show yeah but you know those other stars needed their time in the sun yeah it just kind of stinks I I almost wish wish they had just stuck with Josie wanting to recruit other girls to be in Josie and the Pussycats or something but it just so quickly becomes Veronica singing in the speakeasy. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. Well, luckily we don't have to do any more recapping on that because we already did it. Also, I'm pretty sure, 99% sure Betty still has a copy of this video even though she says she deleted it for Cheryl uh, because she definitely shows it to Cheryl again when they're in the farm as proof that Jason is dead. I thought that the farm had the documentation of it. Hmm. But how did the farm get it? Yeah, I guess Cheryl gave it to them. Cheryl would have given it to them. That's insane and annoying. Yeah, interesting. So it sounds like the farm. It does. Also, gear up for the Archie Hiram bromance revenge plot that's about to come. I know. Yeah, I, when you guys brought up the fact that like, oh yeah, we'll save that for another episode. It's like, oh my gosh, they just get so involved with each other. But also, it just makes me think, why am I watching this again? <laughs> yeah, it's it's some of my least favorite stuff. Yeah, I, honestly, like Archie season one, he's annoying and I really hate the stuff with Grundy, but I think the stuff with Archie and Hiram is my least favorite of everything they do on Riverdale. Oh my god, no way. I love it so much. It's so wild. Imagine <laughs> being a teenager and wanting to talk to your partner's parents. No. <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, and it goes beyond that. It becomes this like mentorship thing with them, which I literally blood brothers, right? Yeah, they are. Well, they become blood brothers, and then they each try to kill each other multiple times. It's very like Clark and Lex, which is very CW. When do they become blood brothers? You know, I couldn't tell you. I think it's when. Is it okay that Archie continues to be with Veronica if he's shared blood with (laughs) Iron? You know, let's not dig into that right now. 
another thing that's interesting is when Archie is do, like stepping through all those hoops and then it's revealed that like quote unquote Hermione is the mastermind behind it all. But like in this episode, it clearly feels like Hiram is still the leader in all of this and she's yeah. just the loyal assistant. We're going to get to that because I think that that is can be chalked up to the show not knowing what to do with Hermione. Sometimes she's the mastermind. Sometimes she's not. A lot of times they would just sort of plug her in wherever they need her. In the first season, it really does seem like she does some things without Hiram's permission and she's sort of doing her own stuff and trying to get out from under him. And then, yeah, later on in this season, she'll reveal that like Agent Adams is her capo and not Hiram's. But I don't get the feeling that Hiram views her to actually be in charge by any means. And I think she slips back under him a lot in this show. It's really just what the show needs her to be at different times. Which may be why she wants to leave. (laughs) Which stinks because I think the, the plot line, the idea of Hermione being more in charge is a very like, interesting the one. The bad guy is so much more interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. so much more interesting, but they sort of just drop it, and um, since we know that Marisol Nichols will be leaving the show for season five, we're not ever gonna get that. So that stinks. More importantly, FP is leaving the show, which is very, very sad. We deserve better. What are we to do without the River Daddies? Well, we still have Sheriff Keller. He is not a River Daddy. I don't know. Hiram. Well, Hiram looks bloated. Not in this episode. <laughs> he looks fine in this episode. <laughs> not in this episode. In this episode, he is a River daddy but not lately yeah anyway and then uh speaking of Hiram so he fires Smithers and says that Smithers is going I think to Florida to be with his mom but we know actually that Smithers stays in Riverdale and is working at the I don't know bus station or train station or something he pops back up later on either this season or next season he literally is like driving people places at some point yeah he's he's around so I guess he's really is just loyal to Veronica so that's nice I mean is it she needs like a good parental figure in her life he's like a nice grandpa um, who just like gives her whatever she wants i think the last thing veronica needs is someone to give her whatever she well, wants well i mean like she get, he gives her good advice and he's like he dotes on her but like not in a like i'm gonna spoil you way but he probably also does let's be honest how much do dormen make well i don't mean like that but i mean like oh. he's just like nice to her and like gives her packages and like carries oh, her stuff he, for her he treats you her like he someone who job? actually cares for her <laughs> whatever you know I don't care. Anyway, that's all I have. Saying like she may not get that love from her father. So it's nice to actually get that from some other figure in her life. Yeah, I think it's nice. So do you guys have anything else? That's all I had in the spoiler section. No, I think we uh, covered it all. I think we covered more than we needed to. (laughs) All right, whatever. I just had a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about. No, I mean, I think I think it just is interesting thinking back and like remembering all the different plot lines. And so you can think of all these other things that come up and, and can relate. But but um, it also was just a lot for this one episode that really was not like somewhat significant. The fact that Hiram purchased the pops, but also somewhat insignificant other ways. It's very insignificant because Veronica is going to trade that bar for pops later on, which oh, we can all worm. agree was a bad decision. Yeah. She should have kept the bar. I mean, I think that a lot of things she does are bad decisions. Can I just say that she has a bar and she trades it for pops and then turns so pops into a bar? a bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not Whatever. smart. Whatever. It's not a bar. It's a spakeasy. Whatever. And then she opens another <laughs> spakeasy. A real one that's actually secret. Okay, that is gonna be it. Thank you for joining us for this sort of extra long episode. We will talk to you next time. Bye! Shoots you in the face with sadness.
don't sign the contract. 